0: Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host Chuck. With me today I have Maya Claire, who hosts yes. an original podcast entitled Anxious and Awesome. Anxious
1: and Awesome, that's right.
0: It is a podcast to help people with anxiety. Yes. How would you describe anxiety, Maya Claire?
1: Well, one of my favorite ways to explain it is that it is an overactive stress response to anything that your body deems dangerous. So, societally we get very confused about what anxiety is, and it's even hard to look it up and figure out if it's something that you're experiencing. But through my years of research and discovery for myself, I've come to learn that at its core, it's an overreactive response inside the body, and especially of the nervous system.
0: Okay. And when did you realize yourself that you were suffering from anxiety?
1: It took me about four years of having pretty severe symptoms before I actually realized that's what was happening. And having a word for what I was experiencing was a really important moment. I was about 24 and I just remember hearing the concept of being anxious, having anxiety. And for me, having that label which, of course, can be limiting if it's just a single label. However, at the starting point for me, knowing that I wasn't just crazy and that there wasn't something inherently wrong with me was incredibly relieving. So that happened for me when I was about 24 years old, and that's what started me on this incredible journey towards today. My 24-year-old self would be very pleased (laughs) with how things have turned out at this point. It's still a continuous journey, but... It is amazing the amount of healing that can happen.
0: So along those lines, I kind of want to interject a little bit too, because anxiety for me is a more recent phenomenon. Um, I tend to be more excited. And I don't know if this is true. Uh, I have a degree in psychology, but I am not a psychologist. So one thing that I noticed is that for some reason that overstimulated nervous system, if we're excited about something and it's like mentally expected, um, it feels good. Yes. But when that overstimulation happens for no apparent reason and you can't quite pinpoint what the heck is going on, Yes. it's extremely unpleasant. Yes. Like those butterfly feelings or the, the, the tinglyness in your hands, um, that's what I experience. Yeah. What does it look like for you?
1: Well, there's a lot of physical sensations with anxiety, and you're right. There can be an element of it that almost feels good, and for me, it would come in cycles. So I have what could be considered chronic anxiety or long-term, any kind that is just consistent and that happens over an extended period of time, and... The physical sensations that can come with that. For me, I have like increased heart rate is a massive one. Um, That's not fun either. No. (laughs) My breathing can get restricted. Um, Sometimes like clammy hands. Um, A main one is brain fog. My brain will actually just shut off if I get too overwhelmed. And different people are going to have different responses because it is ultimately that stress response. And while we have the fight and flight response that are like traditionally recognized, like the overactive experience with like a flight type and fight, you, you get more aggressive. There's also freeze and fawn. Um, there's four like main types traditionally that have been studied and I was primarily a freeze type. So that can lead to some depressive symptoms as well. A lot of being extremely tired and just physically feeling like you don't have any physical energy or strength. So my body would actually shut down when I got too overwhelmed. And that's something that I've learned a lot about and have been able to work through and start to balance more. But it's one reason why anxiety can be so confusing because there are a lot of different physiological and psychological responses to it. So it can feel like a puzzle, but ultimately it all comes down to the same things help us all, <laughs> as I talk about on my show.
0: What is the what is the fawn response? I'm, I'm familiar with that one.
1: Oh, yeah. So the fawn is interesting. It's where you prioritize someone else's needs over everything else.
0: Oh, okay. So. You become hyper-focused on trying to like put that energy somewhere and it usually involves overwhelming somebody that you care about I would imagine.
1: It can yes and just trying to take care of other people. I
0: need to get more cookies out to people.
1: Yes. I
0: need to just keep baking and delivering cookies.
1: That's a good metaphor for sure. Yeah. Yeah and and you can lose a sense of self so you just become subservient to others and it's um th- Everyone has sort of a primary response and then secondary, and it's interesting to see the way that they interact with each other. So, for example, as a freeze-fawn type myself, it's like, if I can't leave a situation, I'll just start fawning. So, like, oh, maybe I can change myself to fit in better. Maybe I can say the right thing. And just you lose your sense of self, and you start to try to, like, fit in to the social circumstance and you ultimately make yourself smaller and quieter.
0: Yeah, That's as a means kind of, of the
1: core, as a means of defense and coping. Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, what coping strategies have you found that you can recommend to people to help out in those situations where you might be stuck, feeling anxious?
1: One of my favorite things, which is backed just by um, science, <laughs> science. <laughs> Sweet.
0: We're going to quote. <laughs> we're going to quote science on this okay. one.
1: <laughs> I couldn't remember the specific branch, (laughs) Um, but breathing. So Mm. being conscious of your breath directly affects your nervous system. And your nervous system is the communication network that's sending out the signals to be overly stressed or to defend yourself. It's the one that goes haywire when we get really anxious. We actually become overly sensitized and our sympathetic, which is the part of our nervous system that controls all of our stress response, it kicks into overdrive. So mm. we're running that way too often. What we need to be doing is running the Parasympathetic, and I like to think of para positive. Okay. (laughs) As in, like, pleasant. Okay. Rest and digest, we often say about the parasympathetic. When it kicks in, you're feeling okay, you're feeling good, you're feeling healthy, you're able to literally be in a healing process. We're actually, as humans, supposed to be running the parasympathetic part of our nervous system most of the time. Okay. The sympathetic is there to, like, kick us into that high gear if we need to defend ourselves, or if we need to be active, if we need to be taking an active role in our safety. So it's a great system, but when it gets overcharged, you can see how it causes problems. Yeah. And we know that the way that we breathe is a really effective way to start transitioning us back into the parasympathetic, that positive, pleasant side that we're supposed to be running in. So one of the things that I really love is to remember that breathing in through your nose, um, and the breathing in is the most important part. It actually signals to your brain that you're okay. Okay. So sometimes when we get overcharged or overexerted, we start to breathe out in and out through our mouth. Okay. You can think about how... You breathe, you know, when you get scared.
0: You turn into a stupid mouth breather. Yes. <laughs> Got it. I mean
1: that you know, you stole the words right out of my
0: mouth. <laughs> <laughs> or when you're when you're jogging yeah. or whatever, exercising intensely, you don't mm. you bypass the nose because you're exactly super stimulated. Exactly. But that can happen outside of a jog.
1: Yes. Yes, it can. And so we breathe in through our nose and we breathe into the lower part of our lungs, and that also There's um, I believe nerves down there that actually when they get stimulated through a deep breath actually helps our body start to be calmer. Okay. So we can literally, it's like a hack. It's like a body hack. I wanna be less stressed. Wait, I can use my breath and I can start breathing slower, intentionally breathing slower in through the nose, deeper. I like to do square breathing where you count in for four Mm -hmm. in breath and then you count out for four out breath. And it just helps your brain get online with the breathing technique, helps your mind start to calm down, have something to focus on, get your physiological body response starting to slow down before you start to worry too much about maybe what triggered it or the mind, the emotions, because the body is really where it starts and also what we have the most control over for actually calming ourselves down.
0: Right on. A pro tip I heard, too, if you want to get a really good deep breath is you got to kind of emulate a dad bod. It's not about like pushing <laughs> nice. out. It's not about pushing yeah. out your chest. It's about pushing out that gut because yeah. that's where your, your lower lungs fill up. You just got to like, you know, simulate that
1: that's and, then great. It, and then
0: it'll get really deep into your lungs.
1: I like or if you bring, want
0: to take a really deep bong rip, the,
1: dad bug, the, the dad bong, bod.
0: <laughs> the bong rip technique. I, I mean, I guess that's I don't know. I don't know where I learned it. It wasn't <laughs> ingesting illegal drugs in Idaho
1: no, of that are course legal not. in other
0: places. Of course not. Um, so that's a healthy way to cope with mm-hmm. anxiety. What are some, do you have any stories about unhealthy things that you were doing you realized were helping you cope with anxiety, but probably wasn't the best way to move forward?
1: Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, and I do want to also just throw out there that that breathing is totally just a starting point. There's a ton of other things that we can add about and talk about. Um, and sometimes when you've been anxious for a long time, it can feel to start with like the breathing isn't doing much, but I always encourage people to keep going, keep trying because you actually are retraining your system. So the more you do it, the more results you're going to feel. So I wanted to throw that out there. Right on. A really commonly used coping mechanism that's not very helpful and that I've certainly also fallen into is...
0: Bong rips. S- oh, no. No, <laughs> I guess it could be. It could be,
1: for sure. It's not my jam. <laughs> Nor is it anyone's in Idaho, of course. No. So It's illegal. Yes. <clears throat> is social media. Dun, oh. Dun, dun. Dang,
0: yeah. I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah, I'm going straight there because there's like a very thin range of where social media is actually helpful and supportive. Mm. And that's like communicating with people that you're actually in community with, or that are supportive to you. There can be a sense of community there that's really helpful. However, when we get down to the scrolling situation, that can feel good temporarily. And so I've definitely used it to help myself feel calmer when just like, oh good, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. So there we go. I'm feeling a little bit better. The problem is that the distraction stops and you aren't actually making yourself feel better. So what can end up happening is you've just spent all this time in kind of this semi-coma state <laughs> through, through all the scrolling and then you put your phone down and all the anxiety just comes right back because you didn't actually get rid of any of it. You didn't actually change like your physiology Physiological state. Yeah. You just distracted your brain for a little while. And then you can see how it can become very addictive because we go, oh, I don't want to feel bad, but I I didn't really feel bad when I was doing that. Let's go back to doing that. And so it just becomes this pattern of spending time doing the scroll, doing the scroll, because it's a distraction. And I think it's a very common modern distraction that anybody has
0: access to. Yes. Right? Because, like, obviously, drugs, alcohol, that's something that people sure. use to, to help deal with yes. a variety of different mental health conditions, including anxiety. But social media is something that a teen has access mm-hmm. to. And if they're using that as a strategy, that's definitely unhealthy, I would imagine.
1: Oh, it's super unhealthy. Yeah.
0: Sorry, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. your shit sucks, man. <laughs> It's really the, bad for us.
1: The, it, it is because the main problem with it and the reason that I'm such an advocate for starting to become more conscious of your social media consumption is that ultimately it increases your anxiety. And de- depression goes hand in hand with anxiety as well. I've had a lot of that. There are actually different responses to a similar problem. And it can increase your depression as well. It's not good to be mindlessly consuming media as a distraction from the rest of your life. Ultimately, that is going to increase your symptoms.
0: Unless it's Treasure Valley Podcast.
1: Yeah. Please I mean... <laughs> mindlessly
0: consume all of these episodes.
1: Well, and I will say Cause
0: that- Because that's a healthy coping strategy. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will
1: say Talk that- Talk to people. That um, podcasts and uh, music- and things like that can actually have a place for healing and especially if it's if it's like a healthy consumption where you're learning things or you're engaged with things or where you're feeling a sense of community i've definitely used podcasts in a relatively healthy way while i'm doing things i need to already be doing in my life yeah to help reduce that anxiety level because i can feel that i'm with someone and hearing their voice so i do recommend some of it it's not to say like oh cut yeah, it all yeah.
0: Out. <laughs> well no i mean podcasts <laughs> just, are just clearly be way better than oh, social way better. media way better because yeah. you can learn things <laughs> like i'm learning things today are um now your journey yes. with uh with dealing with anxiety how much time have you put into it and Where did you start and where are you now? How do you feel?
1: Yeah, well, I started, I would say officially started when I was like 19. That's when I first had, and so I'm 30 now. I've finally reached my glorious 30s. Right on. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Uh, A classic millennial baby born in 92. Um, I started officially when I was 19. I started to become aware that I was having problems. I wasn't living with my parents anymore. I was at my one and only year of college in Seattle studying theater because that's the one thing I cared about at the time. Right on. turns out I really just like storytelling and helping people. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, finding different mediums for that. But I realized that I was experiencing some depression, some overwhelm, some anxiety. I was just starting to become more consciously aware that something wrong, bad was happening inside of me. But it took a few more years of exploration, like I said at the beginning of the show, to actually have a label for it and actually start doing things actively towards getting better. So for me, that process looked like the main points would be um, therapy has been extremely important and something I put off for a long time. Yeah. And I'm sad that I did because it's been a huge, huge, huge help. And I've done online therapy, in-person therapy, I've worked with different people. Every single person I've worked with and every medium I've worked with has been helpful <laughs> and each person has taught me a different thing and been a different kind of support in my life. So now I've learned not to put it off and not to worry about finding the exact right person because different therapists, different counselors will bring you different things. And that was certainly my experience that each person I worked with brought me something valuable at that time. Another thing for me was getting the correct medications. Um, that was super, super important because I had neurology that wasn't functioning correctly. Mm-hmm. My brain was not producing serotonin correctly. A lot of my like highs and lows, I would have like super excited days where like you're saying, I was actually anxious, mm-hmm. even though I felt good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> And
1: then I would crash really hard and be like depressed, sleeping all the time. So that was kind of my life cycle, um, learning how to cope with, the necessities of life while on a high and while on a low. Yeah. And being like two different people. And then having the real me in the middle mm. that would like pop out sometimes yeah. if I felt good. And it'd be like, oh, there she is. There's the person I know that I am. Oh, and like if only I could hold on to this. But I couldn't because my my chemicals were imbalanced. I had so much going on inside of me. And I'll just really, really briefly say that I ultimately discovered that, um, childhood experiences and traumatic events that I wasn't even able to point to as being traumatic events because they were just my normal life. To me, it was just the way that I lived and the way my family was growing up and meeting my best friend and now husband, Tyler, shout out to Mr. Fiddler on the rock. Yeah really helped me to start reflecting and going, those things were not normal, the things I was taught were not normal, and oh my goodness, I actually have a physical trauma response to certain things, to certain stimulations. That is actually the core root cause for me of my chronic anxiety. It's not random, it's not something inherently wrong with me, it's things that I learned and experienced that got programmed into my system and affected my neurology that are now giving me all of these symptoms. So it gave me something to point to and start working on. And that was a huge, huge leap forward in my healing process.
0: So those situations that you deemed normal, you realized were causing you to have a heightened level of arousal yes. in your brain all the time, which yes. I'm sure there are a lot of people yes. out there that have that exact same story um, that's true for them. Mm-hmm. How would you recommend they... Start to find truth in that?
1: Well, definitely um, talking to somebody. That's a really, really good way because you start to tell your story and then you get a reflection back from someone else. So that's why I really recommend counseling and therapy, honestly, for all human beings. Because the way I like to think of it is that we need to share our feelings and our experiences. And being a human is challenging. We have a lot of information coming in. We have a lot of experiences happening. We have everything that happened in our childhood that now we're trying to learn from and live with as an adult. We've got all of these factors affecting us and who we are. And being able to talk about that and get a different perspective from someone who's there 100% to do that for you
0: Yeah, is Reliable. really,
1: really invaluable. Yeah. It's something that we can't get just from our friends and family, because first of all, they're not trained to do that and to know how to listen and how to respond. And there also has to be a give and take with other relationships. Mm -hmm. It can't just be, I'm here to process my stuff and I get a whole hour to do that. That's a really invaluable experience that we don't normally get in our everyday life.
0: No, and it's, it's kind of to, to put that on your friends and family if you're... Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the time, too, people that aren't trained, um, just kind of put themselves in your shoes very quickly, or they deal... Like, when I've had that happen to me, this is what I did. And it can be yes. just very dismissive.
1: And very, like, I, I want to give you advice, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily right. You don't necessarily need advice and what to do next. You need to start with... What am I experiencing? Yeah. How can I? And that's how you're going to start understanding if things from your life experience and your childhood are still affecting you now, is by starting to explore that. And you can do it on your own. I actually did a lot of it by myself. I wished that I'd been working with a counselor and a therapist. That would have been better. So that's why I recommend it. Right on. <laughs> um, but... There are some books that are really, really amazing. Um, One of my favorite is called um, Complex PTSD From Surviving to Thriving, and it's by Pete Walker. And it's just a really validating book that's designed for people who had difficult childhoods but who may not have been physically abused. He does discuss that, absolutely, because that's very, very real. But for some of us, like myself when there wasn't something very, very specific to point to, like my parents never hit me. So my brain just went, well, you were fine. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there was emotional manipulation and mental abuse and neglect and all of these things that are invisible. You can't point to them, but they absolutely have a massive effect on you and a massive effect on your neurology. They affect all kinds of things. So that book in particular for me was a really great opening of the door to start seeing, oh, there's something else here. And this person understands it. Just an author that I've never met in real mm-hmm. life, but a book can have a really amazing impact.
0: Right on. So check that out. I'm assuming that he talks about the ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences in that book, I maybe. I believe
1: or, so. Yeah. So that's
0: something that you could look up yeah, really ACEs quickly. Yeah. is
1: also helpful.
0: Yeah. Cause it's not just about getting smacked around Mm -hmm. when you're a kid. There's a lot of things that an unhealthy parent can do to cause stress in a child, which then can easily become hardwired. Yes. You know, exactly. Just like, uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, any other type of, of neurological wiring, a kid that plays baseball at a very young age is going to be able to throw much better than the one that's starting when he or she is 12 or 13 years old. It's like that you get that stuff hardwired.
1: That's a really good way to think of it. Absolutely. Physically and yes. mentally as yes. well.
0: So your podcast, how do you see that helping others? You've had a book yeah. that helped you. Mm-hmm. What is your What is your idea for the podcast as far as that's concerned?
1: I have been so inspired by podcasting because it is such an effective way to get information to a lot of people. A book can sometimes, as helpful as they can be, sometimes be a little bit challenging because it's a lot of information and it requires a certain amount of like personal commitment to Mm -hmm. reading the book and processing the information. And I wanted to provide this really crucial information in small, really digestible pieces that would be easy to share and easy for people to understand and start applying to their life. So I realized that a podcast would be a really great way to reach people in a format that's super easy to engage with. You can just put it on and listen when you're driving or when you're working or you don't have to take a special time out of your day to start thinking about these things. And the whole point of anxious and awesome is to be a really reliable resource that presents the information in a really gentle way that's really accessible where you actually can start feeling a sense of calm just by listening to it. And every episode is going to have a tool belt takeaway. Because I like thinking of us as superheroes. Because if you've dealt with this kind of stuff and you're still at all functioning, like I just believe that you are a tough person. Because this stuff is so hard and I've lived with it for so long. I'm amazed at some of the things that I've been able to do despite having these symptoms. So I want other people to get that sense of validation as well. Yeah. Um, That helps us all move forward and have better self-esteem. So you will have in every single episode, there's a specific thing that you can do right now or think about right now that can actually help you today. So- We're taking active steps towards improving our lives and helping other people improve their lives by sharing really simple little tidbits that are useful right now because we don't want to put off our healing. (laughs) We can start now. Like today, there's something you can do to start feeling better and start learning about yourself. And the sooner you start, the more days in the future you're going to have that you don't have as many symptoms.
0: And it's okay to start small, just something little. Exactly. I love saying... don't worry about having to attack the entire thing all at once. Just it's better to do something and be proactive than yes. kick the can down the road because of the anxiety it produces in yeah, exactly. dealing with anxiety.
1: I like to talk about baby steps. I like to say babies are really smart. <laughs> like they It worked <laughs> for
0: it worked for Bob and what about Bob?
1: <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs>
0: like, Bill Murray's a fan.
1: Yeah, big fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> babies don't hate themselves because they can't walk yet. Like I, I just love this metaphor. Like They get up, they try, they fall over. Yeah, sometimes they're grumpy, but they don't have like this whole negative self-loathing process because they didn't walk correctly. And that's the way that I see all healing journeys, healing processes. It's the Mm -hmm. tiny victories that have to be celebrated, like the tiny, tiny little ones of every day because those tiny victories start adding up into a life that you might not have ever been able to imagine having you know, a few years ago, and it's starting to slowly, slowly build on itself. And the more you can celebrate those little victories, the more actual positive neurology you're building in yourself. It's amazing. It feels good in the moment to celebrate yourself, but it actually is also helping rewire your brain.
0: To be more positive. To
1: be more positive. Yeah.
0: Because we kind of tend to focus in on a lot of the negative things that do happen. Setbacks usually are sudden. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas progress is always slow and arduous.
1: Yeah. But is it really? And that's the question that I ask because Well, it depends upon
0: where you're looking, I guess, (laughs) right? Exactly. If you're making a little bit of progress, as long as you're focused on that, then... Yeah.
1: A tiny bit of progress is still progress. And so it is just about changing that way that we're thinking it through, that we're thinking about it, changing, yeah, changing our thought processes.
0: Right on. What advice would you give yourself um, if you could talk to yourself in the past, a younger version of you?
1: Ooh, I love it. I would tell her, first of all, don't be afraid to go find a therapist.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's... Go, don't be reluctant to see a <laughs> Honestly, therapist. If you're feeling crappy, just do it.
1: Just try it. And, yeah. and also I would tell her to call people and interview them um, because I didn't realize I could do that. And I literally spent years not getting any help because I was afraid to get help. Yeah. And... You know, I would have loved to start this process earlier. I, at the same time, I trust, you know, I, I, you just have to. You have to trust where you are at now and start from where you are now. Um, every day is ultimately a new day. <laughs> uh, not to be cliche, but that's all we've got is today. So what's the step that I could take today? And just giving her that little boost of like, you are worth help. You do deserve support, regardless of what your brain might be telling you. Mm. Like, it's not true that you're not worthy. It's not true that you're not lovable. And you deserve to have more resources in your life that support you in experiencing the truth, which is that you are lovable. You are worthy. Your life is valuable. And you can get better. I would love to just look her in the eyes and say, you can and you will not always feel this way. Like you, you can feel better. You can have the life that you know somewhere deep inside that you can have. You know that that little tiny dream is is real. It's true. Uh, there is there is a light <laughs> worth pursuing. Right on. Yeah,
0: that's good advice. <laughs> are you are you uh, tackling any other projects here in the future, personal, professional? Is there something else coming up?
1: Yeah. Well just for Anxious and Awesome, I'm putting together a website. So it it exists. It's anxiousandawesome.org. Okay. And it is going to be a whole hub of resources. So all of the articles and books and videos that I use for my own education and that are referenced on the podcast, they're all going to be on there. I'm also going to have text versions of all of the podcasts so you can share them as articles. There's different kinds of therapy because, for example, sometimes financially, it's hard to get therapy. So I'm going to be discussing your options for that. There's some online programs that are less expensive. There's ways to talk to your family about it, to get their support. So there's just going to be a lot of really good stuff on there. So you can jump in and start right there. If you don't know what you're doing, or if you really need support, you'll have one website, (laughs) anxiousandawesome.org. It's going to have a lot of resources so that you're not like me going, the internet's a huge place. Where do I start? What do I do? That was always my dream to create that little hub, that little starting point that plants that seed of hope and says like, Grow, grow. Yeah. (laughs) There's a place to start from. You're not alone in this.
0: And several different options as far as how to move forward. Exactly. So you can take the least stressful way.
1: Yes. Right on. And and the way that works best for you and your life circumstances because we're all different. Yeah. We don't have to subscribe to the exact same path. That's just not how it works. Uh, That's primarily the thing for me is just continuing to really build Anxious and Awesome and make it a thing that is a real support system in our communities and on our interweb family.
0: Awesome. Well, that's a noble goal. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today, Maya Claire. The podcast is called Anxious and Awesome website, anxiousandawesome.org. .org, .org, yeah. Thank you all for listening today and watching, possibly, if you're on YouTube as well. Uh, Treasure Valley Podcast is a Lower Gentry Studios production. You can go to lowergentrystudios.com to check out back episodes as well as a lot of other cool creative content.
1: Thanks, Chuck. This was great.